quarterback for the Minnesota Lynx. One of the surprises here in 2023, Lindsay Allen is here. We're going to talk about her career path right up to the present day and what it means for the league at large as well. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi there, everyone, and welcome to Locked on Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, thanking you for making us your first listen every day. The fact that you guys show up like you have again and again and again, you keep breaking records. We have been over 100,000 listeners in each of the last three months, and we're going to have our highest number yet here in July. So thank you for being part of our community where we care about women's basketball all the time. And of course, it's not just me. It's this incredible team over at The Next, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces on women's basketball every month. Make sure you subscribe. $9 a month, $72 a year. It really makes a difference. And we have a team full of people who have covered Lindsay Allen and had the pleasure, myself included, dating back to her collegiate days. Uh, But As somebody who, and we're going to talk a lot about in segment two, has fit in really well in Minnesota and is doing some important things that cannot be overlooked, I'm really excited to get into that. But first, Lindsay, welcome to the show, and I'm excited to talk to you in segment one all about your pathway here. Thanks for having me on, Howard. It is my pleasure. And I say that as somebody who, on a rare busman's holiday, I wasn't covering the team that day. I was in the stands that day. I brought my tiny daughter, who's not so tiny anymore, in New York, sitting next to a woman you might be familiar with named Muffin McGraw, who came out to see you oh, yeah. for the Liberty. It's been a long and winding trip. I know it has. So mm-hmm. if you'll permit me a minute, I want our audience to understand why I don't think that ought to have been what happened. Okay. I'm just going to lay out the resume. As a point guard on one of the elite teams in all of college basketball, somebody who led her team to the Elite Eight, a 76-75 loss in the Elite Eight, but right there with Stanford. I might be a sensitive subject all these years later. But, I mean, again, I just got to point out, not only are you quarterbacking your team, that you grabbed 10 rebounds in that game. I mean, it was, it was an elite performance. For that, you get drafted in the second round. You're a late cut. You come back because Brittany Boyd gets injured, but there's not been a clear place for you in the league, something that you can assume, something that on the men's basketball side would be assumed. And so I feel like, you know, in all the conversation about salary, all the conversation about roster spots, what I feel like is missing out is the uncertainty and the unfairness to my mind of that uncertainty. So the place I want to start there with you is, How do you reconcile those two things? How have you reconciled those two things between the elite player you have been and the fact that you have had to fight so hard for even just a place in this league? Yeah, I think um, a part of it is just remaining grateful to still be playing the sport at this level, Um, being able to play here in the WNBA at home in front of family and friends, but also playing um, overseas and staying healthy and doing that as well. Um, so staying grateful on that, but also the flip side 
is, you know, there's never any breaks. I'm always, you know, fighting for a spot or fighting for a job or fighting, you know, to stay kind of relevant in a way. Um, and so it's just never being satisfied, really, never being content, always working hard every day in practice and just kind of trying to raise my level every season and every year. In terms of raising your level, I mean, this is a thing where you you produced in New York, you have produced in Las Vegas and in Indiana, you know, as a starter coming off the bench, it doesn't matter. It seemed like you found another level last year, you know, both in terms of your your shooting efficiency, which was off the charts, but just the the assist percentage was almost 40% and the turnover uh, percentage was way down. I want to say 12 or 13%. Did you feel like there was something that slowed down for you in the game last season, specifically here in the W? Yeah, I think um, just staying confident in myself and knowing what I'm good at and how to kind of just fine tune um, what I'm good at. Um, Yeah. And just that confidence piece, I think is huge. Um, knowing what I can do out there in the court, knowing what the team is asking of me um, in terms of assists and the turnover ratio as well, uh, making sure, you know, the assists are high and the turnovers are down. And I think that's always what I've prided myself on. Um, and so, yeah, the game has slowed down just throughout my career and just getting more time in this league um, for a few years now. And so I think that's part of it as well. You're obviously part of a generation for whom the WNBA has all but been a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you, you. I think your birth predated it by a year and a half or so. Um, but yeah. you were probably not super conscious of basketball at the age of one. I'm going to go out on a limb and say. And mm-hmm. so, growing up with the lead being here, has that always been the aspiration for you? And if not, I'm wondering sort of when it kind of clicked. Is this isn't just a game I love. This is something I could do as my job. Yeah, I think um, growing up and playing basketball and that being my favorite sport, I think, you know, it was always, I just want to play this forever, basically. I want to play this for as long as I can um, and just see where it takes me. And then, you know, as you get older, you go through high school, you go through that college recruiting process and all that sorts of stuff. And then it became, okay, like I can see me, myself doing this, you know, um, as my job once I graduate college. And so I think, you know, once I got, to my later years in high school and definitely in college for sure, it became, okay, like I can see myself playing professionally and kind of making this my living um, once I'm done. What is it about Muffet McGraw and that program that has produced not just so many players who play in the pros, but who have contributed and, uh, and significantly once they get there? Yeah, I think it's part of it is kind of the type of player in person she recruits. Um, I think, you know, obviously we're all different positions, all different personalities, things like that. But I think we all kind of have that shared sort of um, mindset in a way where I just think that, like, obviously we love playing basketball. We're a bunch of hoopers. But at the same time, like, we very much care about the team and we care about the system and we care about, you know, what Coach McGraw wanted from us in, in college during that time. And so I think that's part of it for sure. I think we, we both talked about her coaching in the present. I know I still haven't reconciled in my mind. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's actually going to take a lot of getting used to. I don't think I'm ever doing mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. Yeah. She's still always coaching. Like she would never just be anyone else but Coach McGraw. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I agree. 
So the other part of it, obviously, is what you're doing overseas at the same time. And to just kind of take our listeners through what you've done, you've succeeded wildly everywhere you've been, you know, playing in Russia, playing a I, I, I finals MVP when you were with the Boomers down in the WNBL mm-hmm. in Australia. What, what do you look at when you're trying to figure out where you're going to play during the off season? Obviously you're in Poland this past year, you know, what goes into that decision-making process for you and how much do you think that has contributed to your overall development? Yeah, I think, um, you know, earlier in my career, it was just kind of what job is open um, overseas and, you know, whether I could see myself living in that country, but mainly it was just like, okay, this job is open. They're paying this amount. Like it would probably be a good fit for me. Um, and I have a great agent as well in Tisha Pinachero who kind of is able to give me certain offers in certain countries and try to figure out whether this would be good or whether this is kind of unstable, whatever it may be. Um, and then throughout my career, like I've been to, I played in Australia with the Boomers for three seasons. And so I kind of figured out, you know, I really like living here. I like the head coach. I like um, the front office. I like kind of the whole Boomers organization in general. Um, and so it was kind of like, okay, like it's, it's rare sometimes to find that spot overseas where you kind of feel like a home away from home. And so I found that in Melbourne. And so it was kind of just like, I can, I'm getting better here. Like it's kind of the perfect fit really. And so I stayed there for a few seasons and I kind of had that option of, you know, kind of coming back and coming back to that team. Um, and then later on, like when I went to Poland, it was mostly just kind of talking to other players, seeing who I was playing with. Um, and I had some great teammates over there as well, like Polish and some Australians, a couple of Australians. And so I just figured that would be a great fit. Um, and the Polish league is very competitive as well. No doubt about it. And, and you would sell there too. And it, it's significant, I think, that Tisha, who certainly understands the path of a professional point guard, mm-hmm. helping yeah. uh, part of that process. So it makes a lot of sense. Well, I, I'm very excited to talk to you about uh, specifically the Minnesota Lynx and just, you, you know, that particular transition. But first, I'm going to tell the good people at home about FanDuel. And the thing you got to keep in mind about FanDuel is it is not a game where you are playing against anyone other than yourself. And that's extended now over to MLB as well. You can bet on MLB at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So you just bet $20 and you land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. So that's 200 you could spend on anything. You can bet on the money line or over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in a particular game. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And when you win, you can get paid instantly. So there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you get up to $200 Excuse me, in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. So, Lindsay, I remember talking to Cheryl Reeve during the offseason about the role that you had played. And it was very obvious to her at the time. All right, I'm going to build my team here in 2023. And Lindsay Allen's going to be my starting point guard. 
Um, the place I even want to start with is that's a big jump from several seven-day contracts last year. So, you know, we talked about establishing yourself, but when in your mind did you feel like the starting point guard for the Minnesota Lynx? That's a great question because I feel like it was just sort of a process and something that I really had to not really grow into, but kind of wrap my head around and just stay confident in that. Um, and so, yeah, to start the season in training camp, I was the starting point guard. And then, you know, we realized it wasn't really a good fit with who we had on the court at the time and in our starting lineup. And so Tiff came in for me and I came off the bench and I was able to sort of figure things out a bit more and kind of watch the game and see what's needed of me and see what I can provide that's like differently from Tiff, but also compliments Tiff and other players on our team and the, our other league guard as well and Rachel. Um, and so figuring that out and knowing, okay, like this is what I can do. This is how I can see the court. And this is where people need the ball. Um, and I think also just more time with the team in general overall. Um, I think we all just had to learn each other the first couple of weeks of the season, um, especially. But I think, um, you know, that time coming off the bench was really important for me. And then when Tiff went down uh, with her wrist injury, it was like, okay, like now I can kind of step into this and know that I just have to do the same things I was doing when I was coming off the bench. Um, but now I'm just starting the game doing that, you know, playing with pace, playing with confidence, getting into the paint, um, running stuff for our scores, Fee, uh, Kayla McBride, Diamond, and just kind of staying confident and knowing that, like, Cheryl has my back and my teammates have my back. You know, again, you and and we talked about this. It feels like you've got point guards in your life at every turn. Whether it was Coach McGraw, whether it's Tisha, mm -hmm. you know, Sarah, who obviously was a point yeah. guard. Well, is there a commonality? Do you think there is sort of, a, for lack of a better phrase, a point guard mindset and 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 a way that you guys share things at like let's say a faster level, a higher level? Yeah, for sure. I think there's just like a unspoken sort of communication at times between fellow point guards, I would say. We're just kind of like you just know what they're thinking or know what they're about to say or know you just kind of understand where they're going with things. And so I definitely had that in college with um, Coach McGraw and Neo Ivy as well, who is our position coach. And then obviously with Tisha as my agent and now with Cheryl, it's just kind of like a we just sort of understand each other in that way, for sure. Right. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. And like you said, you know, in a lot of ways, this was a job that came to you and has sort of developed over time, but you very much grabbed it and run with it. I, I, I wonder even just mm -hmm. last summer, you're on a seven-day contract, but you're asked to be leading the team for a significant period of time. How do you kind of strike that balance? Obviously, there's that challenge of knowing that, like, you know, look, this is temporary in this moment, but there needs to be a leadership uh, that you're taking on. How do you do that? Yeah, I think coming in last year, I'll definitely admit I was nervous to come in just at that point in the season and knowing where uh, Minnesota was at in the standings and kind of figuring out, you know, the games they had left, things like that. Um, but it was just kind of coming in, providing just energy, you know, knowing what I did well and sticking to that. Um, playing as hard as I can every time I'm out there on the court and knowing that like I had I had worked hard that whole summer I wasn't uh, in the WNBA and I worked hard my whole career basically for this moment kind of and so it was just like you just have to stick to what you know and stick to the work that you've done. When you were talking to Cheryl about your role coming in I, two things right first of all is just 
you know, how was she describing it to you? How much did that play a part in you wanting to come back and, you know, sign that deal to come in uh, into training camp? And then uh, just the other part of it is I wonder for you and, and for her as well to end the way you did. You know, that that August 14th game against Connecticut with the 26 point explosion. You know, how much did you feel like that itself was a breakthrough or and if I'm overstating it, you can tell me that, too. Uh, yeah, definitely coming in, it was just kind of like, a, um, you know, we're down a few bodies. We just kind of need someone to come in and we think you're a good fit just for our team and just for who we are, just like our culture in general. Um, and so you'll be coming off the bench, obviously, and kind of fulfilling that point guard role off the bench and just kind of, this is what we need you to do. Just give me some plays, give me some sets, things like that, but just kind of, you know, go out and play free do what you do. Um, and I just kind of take that and yeah, <laughs> just did what I did really. Um, and just knowing that like, obviously this is what I can provide and watching the game and watching who we had last year and Mariah Jefferson and what she was able to do um, for this team that summer. And so just knowing that, okay, like this is what she does. This is how she gets to her spots. You know, we had Syl as well. So I'm like, okay, really, I just got to find Syl at times and just get the ball to her. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that last game against Connecticut was just kind of like a right time, right place kind of moment. Mm -hmm. Um, just kind of took my shots and stayed hot, really. Um, just stayed aggressive. Six of seven from three, six assists to go along with the 26 points. So, you know, but again, and, and like we talked about, this is commonplace for you overseas as well. This is what you have been as a player throughout your career. Again, it, it always to me, comes back down to opportunity. And so I, I wonder, just as you kind of think through where you are as a player and also within this landscape, the landscape where we're at, where overseas has changed in some significant ways. Mm -hmm. Overseas, now, you know, there is prioritization and that plays a part in it too. And even there are just these increasing number of opportunities. You, you know, your, your current teammate uh, starting a new league that is scheduled to begin next January. AU entering its third season. Have your conversations with Tisha changed as you think through what you want to be doing next year and the next few years? Yeah, for sure. Just really in terms of the prioritization clause, it's kind of been like, okay, where can we go overseas that finishes up in time, basically? Like that's the main kind of factor. Um, for what we've been looking for, what we've been, countries we've been looking at. Um, and so if I did decide to not play overseas, obviously I would look into AU, I would look into Fee's new league that she's starting with Stewie. Um, but I think at this moment in my career, in this time in my life, I want to continue to play overseas for the next few seasons, I would say. Just kind of mm -hmm. maximize that, you know, I like to travel, I like to see the world, I like having my parents come over and see me. So I think for the time being, it's definitely continuing to play overseas obviously kind of also understanding where we are with prioritization. Yeah. And so knowing that that's a continuing sort of battle between overseas and this, the WNBA. And so as long as I can play overseas and get back in time, I will, but also I realize that things could change at any moment in terms of that stuff. No doubt about it. And as a point of personal privilege, I will just say, all right, fine. We have to have uh, prioritization. That's good. Let's, expand roster spots and opportunities to mm -hmm. make sure those opportunities happen, whether it is within the league or as we talked about with AU and with B's new league without. So 
It'll be fascinating to see. But certainly with the way you're playing, no shortage of those opportunities. And I just kind of want to take you through down the stretch here as we see this Lynch team that, you know, I, I think a lot was unknown, you know, whether you're talking about mm-hmm. youth and, you know, in Diamond Miller coming in or the fact that, you know, Fee is coming back. And, and we've talked about it on the podcast. We've had Fee on the podcast. It's just for her to come back after uh, having a child and somehow she mm-hmm. has gotten better and more efficient in every facet of her yeah. sport. <laughs> yeah. Blows my mind. And, but, you know, you yeah. guys are in a prime position to be able to make the playoffs, be able to make some noise in a league that is more wide open than I think people had understood at the top of it. Mm -hmm. What feels like success to you now when you think about the links going down the stretch, especially as someone like you who knows what a playoff team looks like, having been on so many of them, and is guiding them uh, as we speak? Yeah, I think for us and kind of the rest of this season, these last, I think, 17, 18 games, Mm-hmm. Uh, of the regular season it's definitely making the playoffs mm-hmm. you know that's what we want to do that's where we want to be um, we want to be in that conversation for sure um, but also just continuing to play well and kind of trend up in terms of who we want to be as a team and like our, our identity and stuff and like in terms of defense and um, rebounding all sorts of stuff and so I think that's where we're kind of we're not really looking at it in ter- like just trying to win games or where we are in the standings, things like that, just mostly been like, how can we continue to get better on defense? How can we continue to get better in transition defense or little things that we're trying to, like we're tracking as a team. And so we're trying to keep our heads on that and not really pay attention to standings and game to game, head to heads and things like that. Well, Lindsay Allen, it is delightful to chat with you. Uh, Always. It does not seem like that long ago that you were debuting at the garden (laughs) was there, but somehow it was. And to our listeners, I want to thank you for making us your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribing if you haven't already on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll continue with the great conversations about women's basketball with the newsmakers all week long. Until tomorrow, I am Howard Magdal wishing all of you a wonderful Tuesday. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. 